We are, uh, and we are almost to the end of the Gospel of John. And uh, what we've been doing over the last, um, I don't know, 10 months is uh, looking at the life of Jesus and the life that he calls you and I to as, as his followers, as his, as his disciples. And, and my, my, my hope, or really my prayer for us as a church, is that uh, in between Sundays that we would go away from here and that we would critically think and critically process and critically you know, unpack what does it mean for you and I to follow Jesus in every arena of life? What does it look like? What does it physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually look like for you and I to, to follow Jesus um, and wherever we are and however we spend our days? And so today uh, we're, we're going to talk about holiness and, and what does it look like? What does it mean for you and I to be holy? And what we see today is we see Jesus give himself completely to, uh, to, uh, to making us holy. He, he gives himself completely to our holiness. He is completely committed to our holiness. He, uh, he, he lived and died for our holiness. He set himself apart for our holiness. And it was his mission, particularly these last few hours of his life, to make us holy. And I think what we'll find today is if, if we'll critically process and, and pull apart uh, the truth and peel back the layers of our hearts, I, I, I think what we'll find is, is that it really is his holiness that is the ultimate solution for, for you know, our problems. That his holiness is the ultimate solution for, for our needs and our wants. And it really is his holiness that is the ultimate solution uh, for our lives. And so uh, this morning, uh, we have two questions, just two questions to ask Scripture. Now, don't get excited. It doesn't mean it's a 10-minute sermon, okay? I mean, the Cowboys don't play till 3 o'clock, so we'll be out of here really by, you know, way before then, 2.45 tops. Um, just joking. It's a normal sermon. Uh, but only two questions this morning, okay? Uh, and, and the first question is, what is holiness, Okay. What is it? I mean, we talk about it. We sing about it. I mean, every song is talked about holiness. What is holiness? And what, why should we be holy? Okay? So two questions that we're going to uh, not insert our opinion or our ideas, but we're going to let Scripture answer these two questions for us this morning. So if you have your Bibles, uh, I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 17. If you didn't bring your Bibles, we'll throw it up on the screen for you. But John chapter 17 uh, we're in the last night, the last few hours of the life of Jesus. We've seen him uh, celebrate his last Passover, his last supper with his disciples. Uh, they've gotten up from the table. They're walking uh, outside, outside the city. They probably came across uh, a vineyard and Jesus being the master teacher stops. And he says, hey, guys, I want, I want to illustrate another lesson for you. I am the vine and you're the branches. And apart from me, and you can't do anything, Okay. But if you abide, if you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. And so they keep walking. They get to the Garden of Gethsemane. And here we find Jesus praying for himself. Um, we, we find him praying for his disciples and, and, and praying for us. And so let's answer this first question. What is holiness? Well, holiness is three things, okay? 
uh, holiness is three things. That holiness is wholly committed to God. Now, not holy meaning not partially, not, not half, but, but holy, being a whole, wholly committed to God. Uh, holiness is wholly focused on God, and holiness is wholly renovated by God. All right, see what I did there? I, I took two questions and snuck in three points, all right? Um, but, uh, but this is what holiness is. And uh, so let's look, at, let's look at what it means. What does it mean to be wholly committed to God? So John chapter 17 uh, was kind of jumped into the middle of this prayer that he's praying for uh, his disciples. Verse 17, Jesus prays. He says, sanctify them by the truth. Okay, that, that, that's key. By the truth, your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify, underline that word, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. So what is, what is holiness? Well, holiness is being wholly committed to God. So the essence of the word holy means to be set apart, okay? The essence of the word holy means to be set apart. It means to be separate. And so when Jesus prays here that he sanctifies himself, he's not talking about him being a better moral person, okay? Because he's perfect. So he's not talking about him being a better moral person. Uh, being sanctified, uh, let's define it this way. Being sanctified is to be set apart to the point of being completely committed to something. That to be sanctified means to be set apart to the point of being completely committed to something. Now, I think in our context, I think we probably best see this, this truth play out and applied in the, in the life of an athlete, okay? So let's take a world-class athlete, an athlete that's training maybe for the Olympics to, to win a gold medal. So, so what's the athlete's goal? Well, the athlete's goal is to win, is to be the best, is to be a world-class athlete. And therefore, in order for them to achieve their goal, they have to separate themselves, okay? They have to separate themselves from certain activities, from certain foods, certain uh, uh, people, certain attitudes, in order for them to uh, achieve their goal. Now, now, any of these things in and of themselves are not wrong, right? right? It's not wrong for you and I uh, to have dessert or for you and I to have a beer or you and I to, to have a soda, okay? Um, but, but to have a soda for you and I may not be wrong. But for an athlete, having a soda doesn't help them achieve their goal. And so an athlete separates themselves. He sanctifies himself. He's completely and wholly committed to his cause. Now we're starting to understand what it means to be sanctified. So when Jesus says he sanctifies himself, Jesus is saying that he has taken everything he has and everything that he is, and he is using it for no other purpose other than to make you and I holy. That's what he's doing. He is sanctifying himself. Now, now in Numbers chapter 14 in the Old Testament, okay, um, God has just led the people of Israel out of captivity over 400 years to be enslaved to Egypt. And he takes them to the promised land and he says, go take it. It's yours. And the people of Israel, they, they, they look at the fortified cities in the, uh, uh, in, in the promised land and they, uh, 
Uh, they look at, you know, there's giants there. They look at the well-trained armies and well-armed armies. And they say, man, there's no way. There's no way we can do that. We'll be slaughtered. We'll be enslaved. That's impossible. That's unimaginable. And so God says to the people of Israel, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I will send you into the wilderness to die and I will give the promised land to your children except for Caleb and Joshua. And in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, God says, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and, to his, and his descendants will inherit it. Now God looks at us today on this side of the resurrection and he says, go take eternal life. And all the, all the blessings that come with eternal life, with the life that's, uh, f- that, that's characterized by following me. And, and our natural heart to the commands that Jesus gives us. Now, Jesus gives us unapologetically, he gives us commands to live by, okay? He gives us commands. He says things. Jesus says, like, to pour ourselves out for the sake of others, okay? In other words, to make sacrifices, uh, Jesus says that we are to um, give, be generous when we give, when we give our time and our money. He says that, uh, Jesus says as his disciples, as his followers, if we're going to follow him, to always tell the truth. He says, forgive everybody as we've been forgiven. He says, never repay evil for evil. He says, keep ourselves uh, physically and mentally pure. And so our natural attitude to hearing these, these commands uh, that Jesus gives us is like, that's impossible, Jesus. Man, that, that is so impractical. I'll be slaughtered. I'll be laughed at. I'll be left out. Or could we take on this new mindset of being wholly committed to God and knowing that when we put our faith in Jesus, not only are we you know, go from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. And, and not only do, um, is our sin debt completely wiped clean and not only do, uh, are we now an adopted son or daughter of God and have all the rights and privileges that go with our father's name, but we also have the power of the spirit of God, the power of the Holy spirit, the great advocate, that one that comes alongside us and supports us and reminds us of who we are. And could we not say as adopted children of God, as followers of Jesus Christ, who have the power of the Holy Spirit in us, could we not say, I'm going to sanctify myself. I'm going to set myself apart. I'm going to, I'm going to stop doing some things that are no longer right for me because I am holy, not partially, not halfway, not 75%, not every, you know, not, you know, not just on Sundays, but I am wholly committed to God. That's what holiness is. Holiness is also holy focused. On God. Let's go back to verse 19. Jesus says, he prays, For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Luke chapter 9 says that Jesus set his face like a flint to Jerusalem 
to go up to Jerusalem and die. In other words, he set his eyes on something and he would not look at anything else. And holiness comes, it's, it's, it's lived out in our lives when we set our eyes on the name of God and the truth of God. Now, now let me get really practical, okay? Let me just kind of step aside here. How does that, what does that look like? How do we actually do that, set, get wholly focused on God? Well, let's use God's word as the springboard of that. And so what it takes is us going away from, you know, on Sundays and in the middle of the week, getting a whole opening up the word and start looking and circling different names and characteristics of God. And, and, and so as you read scripture, circle different names and characteristics of God. And if we were just using um, this passage that we're looking at, uh, I've circled glory, I've circled power, Joy, truth, word of truth, and I've also circled Holy Father. So let's just use Holy Father as an example um, of how we wholly focus ourselves on, on God. So, so we've made a list, okay? We've made a list of all the characteristics that we've circled in a passage. We're going to land on Holy Father. Then we start thinking, okay, what are the characteristics of a father, of a good father? Well, a good father is... Uh, is loving and kind and gentle and generous, forgiving and protecting and present. And those are all good characteristics of a good father. But then we remember, oh yeah, um, and as good as my earthly dad is, my heavenly father is perfect. And so God is not a bigger version of our earthly dads, okay? Because our earthly dads are, are imperfect. They make mistakes. I mean, my kids will be the first to tell you I make a lot of mistakes as a dad, okay? So God is a perfect father. He's a perfect heavenly father. He is, he is perfect in his love and perfect in his kindness and his gentleness and his, and, and his patience. And he is perfect in his generosity. He's perfect in his strength. He's perfect in his per protection of me. He's perfect in his forgiveness. And we start thinking about those things and then we go one step further and we, you know, we're writing these things down. And then we also think, when is a time that God has been the perfect, loving, kind, gentle, patient, present, forgiving, protecting father in my life in the past? And let me just write down a couple of sentences about that so I can cognitively remember when my father was like that. Because if my heavenly father was that way for me, you know, three years ago or, or three months ago or three weeks ago. Well, his word, because we're using his word, says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever than my perfect, heavenly, kind, loving, gentle, generous, protecting, present, heavenly father is going to be the same for me today. And we focus on that. And then people are going to say that we go to school with or we play ball with or we work with. They're going to say, and are you out of your mind? How in the world can you give away that much of your money to charity? Are, are, you, are you crazy? How can you forgive them? Have you forgotten what they said about you? Have you forgotten what they did to you? Have you forgotten that he promised you that promotion and then he gave it to somebody who hasn't been here as long and worked as hard as you? Are you kidding me? How can you be that forgiving? Oh, how can you be that patient with, with those people? And we say, because my perfect, loving, kind, gentle, protective, generous, forgiving, heavenly father has been that for me. 
That's how I can be that for others. So what is holiness? It's wholly focused on God. And what is holiness? It's being wholly renovated by God. And we don't do the renovation. God does the renovation. He does it from the inside out. You see, if we do the renovation, we like to do it from the outside in. But this is an HGTV. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at, look, at, look at what Jesus prays. Let's back up a little bit. Verse 6. Jesus is praying for his disciples. He says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you, gave, you have given me comes from, the, from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you. And they believe that you sent me and I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. Remember that, that word, mine. What word are you supposed to remember? What word? Mine. Remember that. And glory has come to me through them. And I remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. See, all throughout this prayer, you and I are referred to as his. That we are his. Let's just say that together. We are his. Let's say that again. Again, we are his. So these lies that we believe and these doubts that are start creeping in, your, in our minds that we sing about, like take, take every doubt, take every lie, make room for your truth. One of those truths is I am God's. Let's say that. I am God's. Let's say it again. I am God's. He doesn't forget about you. He doesn't abandon you. He doesn't forsake you because we are his. In Exodus 19, God says to Moses, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and I have carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. And now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Okay, although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Fast forward generation after generation after generation. The apostle Peter, he writes this in first Peter chapter two. He says, you, you and I, those who put their faith in Jesus, you are a chosen people. You're chosen we're, in, we're, cho we're, we're chosen not because we deserve it, not because we earned it. It's not based on merit. It's not based on our past of what we have done or haven't done. It's not based on our potential. It is solely based on the love of God that he, before the beginning of time, chose you. He set his love on our hearts and he chose us. He says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. And that means that you and I, a priest represents God to the people and the people to God. And you and I, we are Christ ambassadors. 
Acts chapter 17 says that God chooses the times and places which men should live. And so that classroom that you're in, that ball team that you play for, that neighborhood that you live in, that job, that office that you have, God placed you there specifically. And one of the reasons, one of the roles that we have is to be a representative of God to those people. So we're a holy nation in God's special possession. This, this little Greek word that Peter uses for holy nation, it means holy ethnic. That we, when we put our faith in Jesus, we become a new ethnicity. Ethnicity is not based on a physical appearance, but it's based on cultural customs and practices and beliefs. Which means that you and I, when we put our faith in Jesus, we are a new ethic, which means that everything about us has changed. But we have a whole new way of doing things. That we're not signing up to be a part of an organization that requires one or two hours every other week. We're, we're, we're not signing up to you know, alter a couple of our priorities, but everything changes about us. That there is a fundamental paradigm shift when you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ that we become a, 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 a holy nation, a holy ethnic, a, a new people, that everything changes. There's a shift in how we view life and death. There's a shift of how we view our time and our money, parenting and priorities. Of our, there's a shift in how we approach work and school and friendships and relationships. There's a paradigm shift there. But also, watch, listen, don't miss this. You and I are God's treasured possession. Just, just let's not rush this moment. We are God's treasured possession. What's your treasured possession? You know what a treasured possession is? It, it, it's something that you love so much, that's so valuable to you, that you will do just about anything to find it and protect it. What's your, what's your most treasured possession? For us... It's Larry the Panda. This, is, uh, this belongs to my seven-year-old son, Asher. <clears throat> and uh, there's this tradition in our family that your first Christmas, you're given a panda bear. And, uh, and so uh, Asher had a lot of stuffed animals he could have chosen from. But uh, for whatever reason, he chose the panda to be his most treasured possession from early, early on. And you see he's got an ear that's no longer there because Asher likes to rub his ear, and so, you know, he's missing an ear. Um, but uh, we named him Larry after my dad. So this is Larry the Panda. Now, I don't know about you, but when it comes to your children's treasured possessions, uh, you'll do anything to find them, okay? Uh, we have turned our house upside down like the FBI looking for classified documents, Okay, uh, we, we have uh, driven to friend's house in the middle of the night so that we could get some sleep to recover Larry the panda because he was left behind. Um, there was one time that we couldn't find Larry the panda and, I, you know, and I'm frustrated. It wasn't my biggest moment. I blamed Sarah for everything. And I said, why did you let Larry out of the house? Where did you have Larry last? And she goes, I don't know, Academy. I'm like, Academy? Oh, woman, are you crazy? And, and so it's 10 minutes till 10. It's 9.50. Academy closes at 10. I'm 
I end the car, driving 90 miles an hour to Academy. I rally as many employees as I can find. And I say, listen, guys, there's a stuffed panda bear lost in your store. We need to find him. So I've got a half a dozen employees looking for Larry the panda. Can't find Larry the panda. I say, thanks a lot, guys. I walk out. I make that dreaded phone call. I said, Sarah, I hear crying in the background. It's broken, you know, Asher's heart. I can only blame Sarah some more. So after I, you know, put her on that big guilt trip, uh, I tell her, hey, I, I, you know, I can't find him. And so I get home and uh, one last ditch effort. I look in her car one more time. And in the third row, I found Larry the panda walked in the hero. We'll go to great lengths to find Larry the Panda. You would go to great lengths to find whatever and protect whatever your most treasured possession is, right? How much more would God do for you? Because you are his treasured and prized possession. You're his treasured possession and he went to great lengths to find you and to save you through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what holiness is. So that answers one question. We'll answer the next question in just a couple of, just two minutes. Nathan's going to come and kind of set the stage here. But why should we be holy? Listen to what Jesus says. Verse 19. is for them... I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Other, other translations say, for their sakes. For their sakes. Jesus says, for their sakes, I have decided to leverage everything that I am, everything that I have, to make them gloriously great. That Jesus is completely sanctified and he is ruling over everything in this world. And his goal is to sanctify us. And here in the garden, just hours before his death, he says, Father, I separate myself from you so that they can be separated for you. For their sake. I am cut off and cast out of your presence so that they can be found in your presence. For their sake, you can pour all of your wrath and all of your judgment and all of your anger on me so that you can pour out all of your love and all of your grace and all of your mercy on them. For their sake, I willingly lay down my life so that they can take up life for their sake. Let those words land on our hearts this morning. Let us say if Jesus would completely sanctify himself and give himself up for my sake, how could I not live for him that's the only motivation we need that's the only hope that we have that we have everything we need in Christ which means the other side of the coin 
If we have everything we need in Christ, then the world has nothing for us.